Legally Wise Women as a concept actually came to reality as not only an access to justice, but more of a legal literacy, because it doesn't provide legal services. It sort of does more in the early stage where we can be a safe place for women to land. Uh, one of the stats I came across was about 83% of women who face a legal challenge don't get professional advice at all. And I just thought, how can that be and why is that the case? And a lot of it is around fear, the unknown, hearing horrendous stories, not knowing where to start, being worried about fees, shame, guilt, all those things. And so, again, being a place where people can come to get some initial where do I start, what should I expect, how does the industry charge, what questions should I be asking, what kind of lawyer do I need and what should I be looking for, is there an alternative? So that's all the things that I start with to help people have a better experience. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Download the app today. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials. Here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to the Self Love Podcast. This week, we have the beautiful Jackie Broman. She's the founder and CEO of Legally Wise Women, an online community helping women to access justice through increasing legal literacy through the four pillars of support, skill, power, and wisdom. Jackie is also an award-winning lawyer. She's been running a law firm for over a decade. She's an accredited specialist with the Law Institute of Victoria. She's a mediator and a collaboratively trained dispute resolution practitioner and an author of three legal guides. This beautiful soul has got an incredible amount of information. But what I love specifically about our gorgeous Jackie is her interwovenness of the emotional intelligence, our intellectual intelligence, our spiritual intelligence. And of course, also she talks in here about how to look after the physical intelligence, particularly when we're going through tough times that may require legal advice or support. She helps us to break down the issues that we can have around legal advice. And she also provides a platform, a podcast and beautiful social connectivity to support women who are going through anything challenging to ensure they get the right advice without it costing you a heck of a lot of time and money. I know you're going to enjoy this week's podcast. She's a beautiful soul. I cannot wait to share all of this information with you. And I highly recommend that you follow her on Legally Wise Women. If you like this podcast and you've got any feedback, please head on over to my Instagram page, Kim Morrison and the number 28. Facebook is Kim Morrison Training. Or you can follow the wellnesscouch.com forward slash self-love podcast. Your five-star rating really does make a difference. The fact that you share podcasts like this for different women and people that need to hear its messages absolutely means the world to me. And I just want to thank you from my heart to yours 
for being on this ride with me and for reaching out, giving me the feedback on the incredible guests, the quickies, and all of the love that you show me in bringing this show to you twice a week. I sincerely hope you enjoy this week's show. Cannot wait to share with you more extraordinary humans and quickies. Please take care, be kind, and I look forward to seeing you again, same place next week. One of my favorite things of all times is to interview beautiful souls, people who are making a difference, particularly in our community, but also for the planet. And this week's guest is no exception. Gorgeous Jackie Berman, welcome to the Self Love Podcast. Thanks for having me, Kim. I'm very excited to talk to you. Well, you and I both have seen and known of each other for a while. We both admire the work that each other does. But for the beautiful listener who may not know exactly what you do and the incredible impact you make, could you take us on a little journey as to where you came, what got you into law and what led you down the path that you're doing now? Yes. So I I am a lawyer. Yes. Uh, I followed the traditional pathway because I did well enough at school and just sort of followed along and did law because that's what, you know, you do if you do well at school and <laughs> and then, you know, kept following the pathway, doing the shoulds, um, you know, got qualified as soon as I finished the degree, you know, did a few years jumping around between various jobs and learning areas of the law and then um, had some bad workplaces actually. Uh, actually, I don't often tell many people, but, um, you know, feeling the love, Kim, um, I was actually assaulted in my last workplace before I went out into business on my own. And so I was just at the point where I, I couldn't work for someone else anymore. So I thought, well, um, running a business should be able to allow me to take the kind of work that I wanted to take, but also not have to... Um, be in an in well to be an environment that I could control and set the culture of so uh, that was very much my impetus for going out into business on my own and so I have run a a small firm in central Victoria for just over a decade Um, but again like we go into business with rose-coloured glasses on and in fact I couldn't only accept the kind of work that I wanted I had to take whatever I could to keep the lights on and the, the staff fed and, uh, you know, we work within a structure and a system. And in fact, some of my unfulfillment and happiness was with the system itself. And, um, you know, I went into law not only because I did well in school, but because it was also I wanted to help people. And I always had this social justice sort of angry teenage angst going on. And so it did suit at the time. Uh, but then realising that quite often the system did more harm than good, um, that I actually wanted to be doing good work and, in fact, quite often uh, clients were left feeling unhappy because of the system and there is this phrase that's thrown out in the industry that a good settlement is when no one is happy and um, that was said to one of my junior lawyers by a barrister that I had employed and it really hit home when that happened and I was like, "This, what are we doing? And so I started going down a bit of a rabbit hole to see how practice could be done differently and started doing some collaborative practice training, did mediation training, really started looking at ways to do law in a better way. Uh, but ultimately, you know, you're still working within a system. And then, of course, COVID hits and we all have... a little bit more time to think about 
what we're doing and why we're doing it. And that was when I had the idea for Legally Wise Women. In fact, it had been percolating for two years before that. But um, in 2020, the College of Law in Victoria put out a incubator program. And so I put um, Legally Wise Women in as a, a potential project for access to justice. And so 12 months incubation with the College of Law and um, legally wise women as a concept actually came to reality as not only an access to justice, but more of a legal literacy because it doesn't provide legal services. It sort of does, um, more in the early stage where we can be a safe place for women to land. Uh, one of the stats I came across was about 83% of women who face a legal challenge don't get professional advice at all. And I just thought, how can that be and why is that the case? And a lot of it is around fear, the unknown, hearing horrendous stories, not knowing where to start, being worried about fees, shame, guilt, all those things. And so, again, being a place where people can come to get some initial where do I start? What should I expect? How does the industry charge? What questions should I be asking? What kind of lawyer do I need? And what should I be looking for? Is there an alternative? So that's all the things that I start with to help people have a better experience before going in and, you know, spending tens of thousands of dollars and taking months and months of their life for a bad result. No, it's quite a scary thing. If you've never had to deal with this, it probably doesn't even appear on your radar. But I imagine a lot of situations where we do need legal advice come out of the blue or yeah. come out of a, a situation or an experience that no one was expecting. Yeah. Do you feel like the legal world is very separate to the everyday world? In other words, for, for us to need a legally wise woman network, somewhere where we go just to get those basic foundations, it seems to me there's not a lot of knowledge in this area of support. Why is that? Mm -hmm. Primarily, I think, because the legal industry being a knowledge industry has been very protective of itself and it believes that its value is holding all its knowledge and information away from people. And they, you know, there's a lot of arrogance and ego in a lot of it. Um, and to be held up on a pedestal makes them feel more powerful and allows them to charge more. So, I mean, I'm quite critical of it, but um, it doesn't sit well with me at all that that's, that's the case. You know, we see... Uh, people more readily get second and third opinions in the medical industry now. Like it has to be happening in the legal industry too. We can't take as gospel what is being told to us by the first traditionally old man that you sit in front of um, who's going to, you know, take a matter on for you and charge you a lot of money for the pleasure. It's quite sad, but I'm loving this conversation. I think it's really important, even right down to starting your own business and understanding just basic things like trademarking and setting yourself up legally to protect yourself. There is so much unknown when so many, and I'll say women as a generalization, go into business by ourselves or we have an entrepreneurial spirit. We can have relationships that we go in with wide eyes open thinking this is forever, but life gets in the way, right? Mm -hmm. So in your humble opinion, can you explain to us a little bit then 
imagine we don't need any legal advice, but it would be really good to be educated to understand it. Can you tell us a little bit about what Legally Wise Women is about? And then what is that actual platform? I don't have to have a legal problem right now to join it or to be a part of it. Can you tell us how it could serve us? Yeah. Um, well, primarily I am sort of triaging people in more of a crisis mode where they have come across something that's, you know, um, suddenly arisen, whether it's a separation or a death or an employment problem or a housing problem. But you're absolutely right, particularly in business. You know, I always say just again, like medicine, prevention is better than the cure. Like just start educating yourself and chip away at actually doing things right so that if there is a problem, you have everything lined up. You know, the worst cases are when someone comes to us, you know, like a business partnership breakup and they went into business with rose-coloured glasses on, no partnership agreement, no process of how to wind it up if something does go wrong. And um, they didn't have any legal advice about that in the first place. Um, So, I mean, it is it is a soft place to land. There are hundreds of videos that I have for free for people just to look at various things, including business things about, you know, things that they should be considering. But it's also a place where I can send people to curated, real um, places to get good information. Because, of course, if you're Googling stuff, you know, Google's just going to give you a whole lot of information and hundreds of thousands of pages, but, you know, Again, I'm an insider, I'm a lawyer, I can tell you what's like a legitimate place to go and find the information. Do you know, this is so powerful because for many of us, I would imagine, myself included, it's not until we have the problem that we actually realise what we need. Same in the medical world. And I like the fact that you've compared it because really, in all honesty, we've got Dr Google and now we've got legal Google that we think we can get all the answers, let alone, you just said it before, law is a knowledge-based industry And you only have to have someone who perhaps speaks the English language in a very articulate way that can bamboozle us or make us feel stupid or that we don't know. Are you really suggesting that this is a place then that will help us become more educated, but more importantly, does it guide us on what we think we know we need to look for? Yes, that's the most important thing. Again, building the legal literacy because I want to teach everyone how to fish, not just give them fish. So, yes. Um, So, again, teaching people what resources are available, teaching them how to um, vet someone's information, particularly how to find, you know, the right person to talk to, even the right mediator, um, the right uh, lawyer to get initial advice from, what to expect, how to um, assess someone's skill level uh, and what to be looking for. But, yes, also what are legitimate sources to get information from, where to go back to to get more information. So, yeah, building skill, um, building empowerment because, you know, lawyers have made such a big industry out of holding back knowledge, but um, it's, you know, information age. It's now time that everyone has it, really. We're on an even playing field, right? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, I know I watch a lot of movies and I see a lot of legal things and it's like who's ever's got the most money seems to be able to win. Is that still the case? Can I be so bold to ask that question that people can pay their way out of problems? Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's scary. It is. It is. And, you know, we just had a 
federal court judge retire in the last 12 months. And he also said that litigation should be the absolute last resort um, because it is. Once you get into litigation, it is who has the most money to keep it going the longest because there is so much pressure to settle when you're bleeding tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And um, the the process of litigation takes so long and it's so procedural with its timeframes and things like that, that um, there's not much scope for reducing those fees, particularly if you don't know how to project manage the litigation, um, you don't know how to do unbundled legal services. So all of these things are other things that I can at least guide someone through if they are stuck in litigation, like how you how to manage the engagement with your lawyer, what the communication should be like, how to manage your own file so you're keeping your own records because if you do want to leave your lawyer because they're charging too much, you've got the full file so they, you know, you won't have this huge issue of changing over. Um but also what to expect, like what is um, the right sort of service that you should be getting um, and what your options are at every stage as well because sometimes lawyers will, they know all the options but they eliminate options in their own head on your behalf without running them past you because they think they know best for you um, where, you know, you should know all the options because you should be project managing your own life. This is really powerful, and I'm so excited that we're having this conversation. What would, could you give us an example of how you've helped somebody save time and money? Do you have a scenario or an example you can give us as to what Legally Wise Women did or you yourself did and what you saved that person, whether it's time, money, emotions, energy? Yeah, I've saved a lot of women up front with um, not heading down the wrong path in the first place. Um, consumer issues around motor vehicles often comes up, surprisingly, and sending them just to their state consumer affairs. They don't even know that there is a free dispute resolution process because car retailers are regulated. So just sending them to the right person. Um, small business ombudsman, we have a national small business ombudsman to help do disputes between small businesses. And so again, they're like, what do I do? Well, don't go to a lawyer, just go off and have a free mediation with the ombudsman. So those things are really helpful. But then um, as a, I suppose, more nitty gritty sort of case, um, recently I've had a lady who was facing the initial court date in proceedings in the family court for parenting and property separation domestic violence situation, so highly emotive. Um, she was regretting not doing it earlier. So she was there was so much guilt around taking so long for her to get where she was, so much doubt that she'd even done the right thing. So there was so much in her head. So it was also very much about keeping her focus, setting her expectations, because at that first hearing, I'm like, nothing's going to happen. I'm sorry, but you're not going to get what you want. The judge is not even going to hear your matter. Like you're going to go there and you just have to realise that this is a process that's still going to take you quite a few months ahead and sort of getting her in a state where she realised she was on a pathway that she had to be on unfortunately, but in her situation, it was the only way to go, not to be regretting what had happened because she was now on a pathway and empowering her within that pathway. And then 
understanding sort of more about what her expectations were coming and telling her as well, look, here's how legal aid works. Here's how um, your kids could get their own independent lawyer. Here's if your legal fees get too great, but the independent lawyer is also on your side, maybe get rid of your lawyer because the independent children's lawyer is going to look after the kids' interests. And, you know, that's the main thing here. If they're going down the same pathway as that, you know, that could be a way. You've had your affidavit done. You've got all your evidence in. What is your lawyer going to do for you now? You know, so just having some of those really real discussions with her, um, I think was so helpful for her. And of course, she's still on that pathway. So we get to see. This is so beautiful because so many of us get so scared in these situations. Mm. And then there's those of us that are people pleasers, so we don't yeah. want to make it wrong. Then there's those of us with rose-tinted glasses who think we can all be friends and we can do it all nicely and it can be so beautiful. But the minute you bring money into it, there seems to be, and it's not the only reason, but money seems to really drive behavior in quite an unusual or different way. Why do you think that's the case? I get that maybe greed. I get that we all want what we think we deserve. But ultimately, as a lawyer, don't you see that there's always a fair resolution? Fair, like beauty is in the eyes of the beholder, isn't it? <laughs> I knew that was a big question. <laughs> yes. yeah. um, I think that we are fundamentally driven by so much fear. I think that that's where a lot of um, what looks like greed comes from because it's insecurity. And something else that I was my eyes were open to when I did collaborative practice training was that as lawyers we try and tell people what's fair by splitting up a pre-existing pie without even getting financial advice without even um, showing people well this is what you need and here's the projection of where you're going to be at because they falsely think that you know I'm not going to be fine unless I get this percentage well actually what if you were fine with less or what if the percentage we're going for does not even make you fine like what is your definition of of your financial security because everyone's definition of their financial security is different as well so um, I think that we, I think fear drives so much, so much. And, and then this is where some of the element of my own spirituality comes in as well, because, um, you know, the longer I've been in the profession, the less I can keep the two separate. And um, just trying to get people to think again about, well, what's driving your decision-making? You know, is it fear or love? <laughs> Um, coming down to the basic principles with A Course in Miracles. It's just, um, you know, a, a cry that's fear or anger-driven is a cry for love. Again, you know, you're not there to look after someone else, particularly if you're thinking about a business breakdown or a relationship breakdown. Um, but understand that the other side is also, you know, fearful and um it, sometimes having an understanding of where other people are coming from can have less anger and hatred yourself to move through and then gives you a bit more future focus. So beautifully said. You know, you mentioned it before, there seems to be a bit of arrogance in the legal world. Arrogance can sometimes equate to protecting our egos and what we're about. Why is the legal world so perceived as arrogant or egotistical or fear-driven? Like, why? 
Yes, good question. (laughs) I don't necessarily think that it has to be that way. Uh, I mean, I often think back as to how the legal industry has come to where it is. And I often say to people, you know, it's been hundreds of years developing as um, men petitioning kings initially and then the king couldn't get round to enough people so he had magistrates and then the legal system got too complex so people couldn't petition themselves and they started employing people. And so it, it um, it's obviously a, um, a profession where your value is based on winning and so you have to be perceived to be um, a certain way to be able to win um, and unfortunately, a lot of the performance that a client might see in a courtroom is literally that. It is just the solicitor or barrister actually performing to, in a way so that the client thinks that they're getting value. Um, so there are a lot of characters that are, um, that the law appeals to, whether it has a narcissistic tendency or whether it's someone who really does like to perform um, and gets their ego sort of propped up by that, um, then it because there's that element, it dam- it I feel like it's very damaging for people who go into the law to make a difference because there's a whole lot of us who go in wanting to help and really coming to it from more of a social work and casework sort of perspective and we take on a lot of the emotion and then burn out. You know, a lot of lawyers leave within five or ten years of of becoming qualified because it's not what they thought it was going to be or because it really um, tears their heart out. Um, because, you know, you've got a hundred people at any one time all wanting your emotional support and wanting you to let them know that, you know, you're going to win for them. I mean, it's a lot of pressure and, and often it's hundreds of thousands of dollars of, you know, major things happening in people's lives. So there's such two extremes, I suppose, um, for people who may be in the industry and trying to find a balance there is, always a hard hard road I don't think that I've found it which is why I'm trying to um come from a different angle and you're doing it beautifully you you know where you're coming from is very heartfelt it's very emotionally um engaging and it's also incredibly supportive for want of a better word it's not a case of um lawyers just making lots of money out of us there must be an element of you needing to protect yourself. And you just said you can have a hundred clients and everyone's wanting a piece of you. How the heck does someone like Jackie, who has such a heart for service Mm. and for making a difference, how on earth do you look after yourself? Mm. Yeah, really good question. Um, Because, you know, in my mid to late 20s, that was the hardest part. And it was trying to find a way of being able to leave it at the door and, uh you know, looking looking after myself emotionally. And again, I suppose that's why the the spiritual element has grown as well, as as well as trying to teach myself a lot more about psychology as well and 
um, responsibility and boundaries and all those things too because um, I suppose women tend to be people pleasers as well and we tend not to set very good boundaries. So that's been a big learning curve and trying to have those conversations with my younger female lawyers as well about it. You know, what what is your responsibility? What is the client's responsibility? Um, yes, your clients might want to try and vent with you, but actually you you are their advocate. You're not their counsellor. And so trying to maybe case manage and have other people support your client, not just you as well. Um, but at the same time, acknowledging our own humanity and acknowledging the humanity of our client rather than just looking at the legal problem um, because that also divorces the situation and isn't real. So uh, I'm not sure that I've found the real balance either because I do try and distance myself from the highly emotive stuff because it is super hard. Um, Especially but, when you've got a heart like yours. Uh, yes. I imagine is there... And- if you don't mind me asking, but has there been moments where you've just, you yourself have doubted yourself or felt fear or worry or concern or that you've let people down and how on earth do you manage yourself? Uh, <laughs> yes, I, I, absolutely, absolutely. You know, for months at a time I've been on the floor in the shower praying in the morning for courage to get myself through the day. Um, and I wonder how many people do the same thing, just um, but we approach life sometimes like that with such a tug of war, whereas if uh, what I'm trying to do now is just find more ease in my day. Yes, I'm very um, proactive in what I do, but things obviously come up throughout the day that you just have to have a little bit more flow with. And so, again, learning a little bit more surrender, like um I'm here, God, to serve as you want me to today. So just give me the strength to do what, you know, you ask me to instead of putting more pressure on myself and trying to push and drive myself. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's about approaching it a little differently. Mm, well, I can see it means a lot to you. I I just want you to know that what you're doing is making a difference. And I can imagine that you're kind of like the exception to the rule in this industry, which is why I was so excited to share you. Um, sounds I don't like- know about that. I think that there's a lot of lawyers that um, are very similar. Maybe they're not quite at the point of articulating it as I do, but I think... Um, well, then you're trailblazing it for mm. them. You're giving other lawyers permission because I'm sure, like anything, most people that get into medicine get into it because they really do love mm. to help heal and they're interested in the human biology. Most people become a politician from a noble cause to serve their community. Most people get into law, as you say, either because they're bright enough or because they actually really do care about making a difference. And I guess the industry can persuade us or any of those industries into being, um, uh, I guess, more ego-driven or arrogance or uh, just not in that same space that people started with. Mm. And I just want to, well, then I'll acknowledge you as being a trailblazer to give permission because I'd love to think that there's more lawyers out there like you. And I'm sure the the listener would feel very satisfied to know. Is there, is there just making me question it, is there mm. a... Um, 
a group that that you know you can follow that these are lawyers with hearts with respect <laughs> to all lawyers but is there is that what legally wise woman is also about is there other lawyers in that group as well no only from my own networks um I mean, that was something that quite a few people wanted me to do was put together some kind of directory. But um, there are other places that are doing something similar. Um, those who've done collaborative practice training are all very much anti-litigation and want to come with a heartfelt sort of resolution process and not have to, will not also have to deal with aggressive colleagues. Um, so collab- there's collaborative practice groups in every state Um, and there is a movement called the kind lawyers that are coming out of Canberra which is very interesting as well Uh, so I mean a lot of these movements I think as well are to help lawyers have longevity in their own practice too because they realize they have to do work a little differently to be able to keep keep serving Um, so yeah there are some movements like that and there's another um, directory called legally yours Um, which are lawyers who do fixed fee billing because, you know, fees are a huge scary thing for clients, particularly if someone's um, charging by the hour and, you know, hourly billing rewards inefficiency. So, um, you know, that can be a conflict of interest in itself that, you know, a lawyer wants to prolong a matter because they'll be paid more. Um, So fixed fee lawyers is a big movement too. And I've also noticed things like no win, no fee mm. kind of thing as well. Is that, do you think that comes with heart as well? Um, no, I'm a little bit wary of no win, no fee, to be honest. Uh, it only applies in certain areas of the law, usually where there's some kind of insurance policy to claim against. Um, so a no win, no fee lawyer will only take on a matter they're pretty sure that they'll win for. Um, and they'll take a bigger cut. So even if you had a lawyer who was um, working on an hourly basis, they'd probably charge you less because you, your matter's pretty much a guarantee if a no-win-no-fee lawyer is going to take it. So I am a little bit wary of that as well. Thank you for explaining that. Sounds to me too like as a lawyer you do need a team like any of us, whether you're in the healthcare or political or legal or whatever it is. No one person can solve every problem. And what I've heard from you today is that you almost have a team around you. You're the legal aspect, but we need psychologists or coaches or mentors to get us through the psychological, mental, emotional side of it. We need financial expert advice. We need maybe property advice, maybe even relationship advice. Like there are so many other people. Have you found your own network building because of that desire to make sure the client has all bases covered? Very much so. And again, I think I learned this fairly early in business as well. Um, we start learning to build a network because we want to build a referral network to our business. But all of a sudden, it actually becomes a group of professionals that trust each other and rely on each other to be able to pick up the phone or to be able to email each other a problem with, without knowing that you're going to be charged or, or you know, keeping confidentiality and not even have to mention a client's name if you didn't want to and just knowing that you've got someone you can ask ask a quick question of because you're not sure of it's so important and I think I think anyone in business or any young professional should be building a really strong network not only in your own industry but of complementary um, industries and I think that 
you know, for the first 10 years or so of my career, I was too transactional and didn't build enough network relationships. But I think that that's the most valuable thing now. It makes makes me more valuable to my clients too because I can call on people that I trust. I love this so much. Okay, I want to take a little U-turn. I want you to imagine I know nothing about law. I've heard words of, you know, there's barristers, there's solicitors, there's legal advice teams, there's executives, there's property, there's financial, there's criminal, there's like, can you talk to us? Can you give us a very basic, quick overview of what the law or legal system looks like, just so that we get an overall picture of it? Very quick. Okay. Um, so barristers and solicitors are both kinds of lawyers. So we're all a kind of lawyer. Solicitors are the ones that work with clients. Barristers are the ones that work with court and they subcontract to solicitors. Um, each state has its own system, its own three-tiered court system. Um, so most things are state-based. Um, but then you've got some national things as well. Family law is national. Uh, a lot of business is national. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit working out what jurisdiction you're in. And then, as you said, like there is probably 50 areas of the law now. So again, thinking about medicine, you've got a general practitioner, your GP, and then you've got your specialists. So yeah, you could find a GP solicitor and hopefully they have a great network of specialists that they can send you to, to various other areas, or you can go straight to your specialist. So Every solicitor is reg- every good solicitor is registered with their law society or law institute in their state. There's a referral service to a particular, you know, you search with them for a particular area of the law. You find a group of solicitors that work in that area. You go through and you vet, okay, well, who do I think that I could like to work with? Um, some lawyers do a half hour free appointment so you can try before you buy. Some are too busy to offer free advice, so you're not entitled to free advice. But if you can get in for a half hour free, great. Um, Don't expect to get advice in that short period of time. You're there really to see if you can work with someone or not. Um, And even if you have to pay for an initial appointment to see whether you can work with someone or not, it's still worth it because it might take months. I don't know. Is that a good enough overview? (laughs) Yes, it is. And then, of course, you didn't even mention the whole criminal side of things. I'm never sure how lawyers protect someone who's done something wrong or, or try and go in for them, but that's that's just me probably watching too much Law and Order or something. I don't know. Too much American TV. I yes. Think so. <laughs> I think so. I think so. But it's certainly that shows like that have highlighted the importance perhaps of what all of these systems mean to us, you know, and how the police work in with the legal system and all of those things. It's all very interactive. And like you say, not one person solves all issues networking is what I hear massive in this and I can see that we mentioned briefly about the burnout of lawyers and that sometimes they can give too much or try too hard or want to please and help everybody from your own point of view we touched on it briefly but I'd be curious to know what are some of your self-care strategies how does Jackie take care of herself and her busy life and how does that impact your family your community etc Luckily, I've always had the good basics. I don't think without the basics, I would have survived. Um, so exercise every morning has always been a must for me. 
um, while I was studying law, I was a personal trainer. So I had that already inbuilt. Um, so working out in the morning, walking the dogs, doing about an hour of exercise, I don't have tea or coffee. So I'm very unlike a traditional lawyer who probably lives on a lot of that. Um, a lot of water, good nutrition, you know, lots of veggies in the diet. Um, so, and good sleep. So the the basics. And sometimes it's hard to sleep when you've got a million things running in your head. But for some reason, I've always been really good at getting myself to sleep. So I'm not sure if I've got a good sleep routine that sends me down that path. I've never really thought about it. I've always just had the way that I get myself to sleep and, you know, reading before bed helps. Um, and reading fiction helps like just stop filling your brain so much sometimes. Um, so, I mean, those are the basics. So that, that's got me so far, but it only got me so far. Um, for the last five or six years or so, um, certainly diving down into spirituality has, um, deepened my ability for uh self-care because uh I probably wouldn't still be in the industry if I hadn't have done that and given myself some different biggest perspective um so certainly I'm a student of A Course in Miracles I've been doing that for about four years um and just reading a lot of the metaphysical stuff, um, a lot of it has a lot of psychological basis. And so for a long time, I've realized that I wasn't even feeling my feelings. So actually now understanding what feelings are and being able to feel them and process them. I mean, even that was a huge process um, of self-love um, and not just pushing, pushing, pushing. Um meditation now every morning um i'm doing more kundalini yoga than i ever did before uh i used to funnily enough if i had a bad morning pretty much write the day off but now i can reset in the day um so yeah you find these little things and you know if you shared with a lot of your other straight laced colleagues they might be like oh that's a bit woo woo but it doesn't hurt, you know, and and it helps um, tapping, tapping under the table. Like I won't tap on my face when I'm around people, but I certainly tap really fast on my hands sometimes underneath the desk. Um, taking my shoes off at my desk and actually feeling the floor, um, you know, a bit of grounding, a bit of getting myself back in my body, um, breathing. I used to not breathe through the day at all. I don't know how I did that. You know, your lungs are always full and you're just sipping air constantly. Um, so actually being able to release the breath. Um, I used to drive home at night and have stress buzzing through my jaw, just this um, absolute physical sensation of, um, of, of this cortisol. And uh, it was a high, you know, actually I used to love it. But I was moving my body enough as well to be able to move it out, whereas if I wasn't exercising as much as I do, I don't know what that would have done to me. So lots of things. <laughs> oh, it's powerful. But these things are all so important. And quite, quite frankly, if I needed someone's legal advice, I would want someone who takes care of themselves because that sends a message to me, you'll take care of me, and that's just my own opinion, but when I see any practitioner who takes the time for themselves, 
then I feel like that will be a priority or a high value of theirs, in which case I could probably do with some learning around. So I really appreciate it. And you you touched on it very briefly, but self-love, I mean, gosh, here we are, you're a lawyer and we're talking self-love. What exactly does that mean to you? What's your definition of it? Over time, it's obviously, well, I don't think that I had self-love for maybe even the first 30 years of my life. And then suddenly it dropped in that actually you can love yourself unconditionally. And it was this huge awakening moment for me. I was just like, what? Unconditional? I only love myself if I achieve my to-do list and if I've done all the things. And if I haven't done it right, then I beat myself up massively. And Um, you know, a lot of those self-care things that I've just rattled off were on the list of things to do. And so if I wasn't, you know, they actually weren't coming from a place of love at all. They were another thing for Jackie to achieve. Um, So self-love for me is actually um, having learnt to know myself and accept myself. Pretty beautiful. And accepting self. Uh, Can I be so bold to just go a little bit deeper? That also means accepting and loving yourself maybe in the cases you don't win or maybe in the days that aren't great or maybe in the disappointments that may come with your job. How do you navigate that part of it with love? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Poorly sometimes. (laughs) Again, I've now learnt to feel my feelings and so I would often not allow myself to feel the disappointment or the anger or the injustice Um, but now I do, but I also limit the time that I let myself wallow in that because I think when you feel your feelings, you can actually process them. When I was squashing them down, they were never processed and there was always this simmering bitterness, if I might go there, or frustration. Um, But now it is, it's really allowing myself to go, well, actually that was really shit and now I've got to tell my client that that was really shit. Um, but we've, we did our best and with integrity, I can absolutely say that that's the case. What are the options moving forward? Future focus. That's really how I'm dealing with it. Very powerful because winning doesn't necessarily, sorry, losing doesn't necessarily mean losing. And you even alluded it to it at the beginning that sometimes having a bad experience can actually lead us to an even better outcome. Have you had many situations like that where something hasn't worked out for a client and then maybe in hindsight or looking down the track, it's worked out better in their favor? Has there ever been times like that where you've been, gosh, I know this is hard right now, but trust me, down the path, there's a reason for this or there's a there's more learning to be done. Like how do you help a client navigate that and still have positive hope, intention and desire for things to be good? I think that's maybe some of the hardest part is because we um, we don't have any aftercare with a matter and so we don't actually see the client process it and then come to a, a, some kind of acceptance of it either. Um, so it's only been when I've come across someone again years later and, you know, maybe done so maybe did their separation and then a couple of years later they're selling the house and moving on to their next thing. And they actually do reflect and say, you know, while it was hard, you know, I really appreciate how you approached it and actually it was the best thing to get through that. And now that, 
it's over and done with. I am looking ahead and this is the exciting things about my future and things like that. So um, it, it is wonderful when you actually get that feedback. I think we don't get it enough um, because we often, you know, have the the hard, disappointed part at the end and and clients feel unhappy and so you're just like, well, that's done. Everyone's unhappy. It must be a good win. Oh, maybe this is something you can introduce into your practice, though, <laughs> that there's the six-month, 12-month, two-year follow-up. And I'm just thinking, I don't know why I'm thinking of paramedics when they bring an emergency situation mm. into a hospital they're the first port of call often the people that have saved that person's life in that emergency moment they then hand them over to the critical unit or the critical care team and that's it and yes. only if I ever see something uh, I don't know on a, on social media or Netflix or I don't know something when they get to meet their rescuer or meet the people that saved them that you go oh my gosh it would be so cool for someone like you to have a community that these, I, I can imagine if I was one of your clients and I was part of your community and then other women became part of that private Facebook community or private school community, whatever it is, and then we actually got to share our knowledge and care and compassion for one another. I suppose it's challenging because emotions are so high, which means yeah. intelligence always isn't necessarily the right. You don't really want people giving each other advice if they don't know or they're bitter rather than better. That's but right. I'm just trying to see a way for you to maybe it's just there's part of your follow-up is to to check in, but or you ask them to, because I can't imagine from your perspective, someone who puts so much heart and soul into supporting someone to get through that really big challenge to not see whether they won or didn't win in that moment, the outcome down the track. Mm. I'm yet to meet anyone, Jackie, that doesn't spend time in hindsight going, gosh, if that hadn't happened, I wouldn't be doing this. Not mm. if they're connected and committed to personal growth and understanding mm. that there's something bigger at play. Mm. Is there, in your humble opinion, first two questions, mm. is there something like that um, where you like to refer people into a I guess, a connected community? And then what about you lawyers? Is there something for you guys that are all on the same page? <laughs> um, no, I don't. I haven't found. Like I think a, I'm giving you more work. Yeah, I think you are. <laughs> I think you're like, we need this. But, um, you, I mean, you were just highlighting some of the, the tricky things in it as well, you know, um, managing current emotions, managing people who actually don't learn and still are bitter because, in fact, I think that that might be the majority rather than, people actually having gratitude and um, having learnt. So I think that's what I'm afraid of, that, um, you know, I that there is a lot of bitterness and resentment. Um, but, I mean, proactive lawyers can find good groups, um, certainly through their um, law societies and their practice groups. Um, and then if they're in these um, smaller collaborative practice units and other areas like that, you know, having, again, a network of people that you trust and that you can um, have some feedback with. But, uh, you know, having spoken to a lot of counsellors and psychologists, I know that they have professional supervision. I mean, it would be um, great potentially if there was a, more of a system like that for lawyers as well, where we actually had um, some kind of professional mentor relationship where you could debrief 
Mm, I know, I can imagine. I, I think a lot of weight gets put on you guys and uh, I just I think it's time to really acknowledge this and publicly thank you for what you do and particularly the way you think and the care that you show and I don't know, you just you seem to be and and I hope you're not the only one, but you seem to be a minority in this industry. But I just want to say it's people like you that create the wave to give others permission to feel their emotions, to show they care, to offer network support and to really have the best outcome orientated towards the client's best interest. And I think that's something you obviously hold very dear. It's very valuable to you. And I just wanted to share you with this beautiful listener because whilst we're, you know many of us may not have issues at the moment, it's just so nice to go, oh my gosh, I remember a podcast with the beautiful Jackie. I've got to reach out to her. How could someone follow you or be a part of your network, you know, maybe even if they're not in a situation where they need legal advice, but they'd like to to be a part of your world? Yeah, I mean, social media is where we all are these days, isn't it? So um, Legally Wise Women on Instagram and Facebook and then the free Facebook group is Legal Support for Women. Um, so those are the, the best places to be. Um, you know, I do a little live every week. I'm available for direct messaging and those sorts of things. And um, and then you can find out about the community from the, the social media pages. That's the easiest place. I also do a free monthly webinar. Um, so that's on Meetup actually. So Meetup is another place to find me. Um, the monthly webinars are up there. So um, yeah, come along to those. And what about your podcast or the things that you share? Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that because I've had the privilege of being interviewed by you. Yeah. Uh, could just give that a little plug as well. I always forget the podcast, but it's such a pleasure to do it. Um, it's Applied Wisdom uh, and the concept being that we, we're often very empowered in a lot of areas of our lives, but as soon as we do face a big challenge and the challenges are the biggest trans chance for transformation really but um, a lot of our learnings for some reason go out the window as soon as we do face a big challenge and so it is it's about we have wisdom let's apply it in the situations when it is hard um, so that we can have a better experience Um, and so yeah uh, I talk to guests that can build on the four pillars that I talk about in that so support skill power and wisdom um, because we collectively have that in a lot of different areas and bringing it together and actually using it when it is important, I think is key. Mm, you're an amazing woman. It's just such a privilege to interview you. Is there a website? We just, I didn't mention a website or is it yes. just based on the socials? There's legallywisewomen.com.au as well. So that's another good place to land. Yeah, perfect. Um, Final message and maybe a favourite quote of yours. What Mm. would you want to say to the Beautiful Self Love podcast listener, someone who is really interested in self-development, being a part of good networks, someone who really does love to make a positive difference in this world? What would be your final message and maybe your quote? Um, My quote is not very spiritual um, and sort of comes a little bit more from my adventurous self. Um, which is don't let fear or common sense hold you back. Um, I think, again, I mean, we've spoken about fear being one of the huge drivers in a lot of litigation and a a lot of disputes. Um, 
But I think fear holds us back in so many areas, holds us back from getting advice, holds us back from looking after ourselves. Um, So, yeah, don't let it hold you back. Thank you so much for being on the Self Love Podcast. I want to acknowledge you again and thank you for the work that you do. And I think Legally Wise Women is just one of the most incredible platforms for people to feel like they belong or they're somewhere safe to go, especially when emotions are so high or we're put in a situation where we just don't even know if we can think straight, let alone make a good decision. And I think this is a beautiful holding place, a beautiful safe space for women to reach out and get the legal advice they desperately need and certainly will have to have should they want to move forward, protecting themselves, their children, their families, their business, their relationships. So thank you so much for being on the Self Love Podcast. I am absolutely delighted to share all of your incredible wisdom and I want to thank you wholeheartedly for the work that you do, gorgeous Jackie. Thanks so much, Kim. Such a pleasure to talk to you as always. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.